Good morning and welcome to the 7am Bible. This is Paul Chapman and this is episode number 21. Well, we've done it. We've come 21 episodes. I hope you've had a great weekend and uh, enjoying this meditation or this series of meditations on the life of Jacob. Um, Let's pray before we go into it this morning. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love and mercy to us. We thank you for waking us refreshed to another day. And we pray for your Holy Spirit to guide us now as we open your word together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I've said, we've been going through the life of Jacob, and in our last episode, we looked at Jacob's response to the encouraging dream that God gave him. God had reaffirmed to him in that dream the words of the covenant and assured Jacob that he would not forsake him, but that he would keep him wherever he went and then bring him home again to the land of promise. In gratitude for the assurance of divine favor, Jacob vowed to render to God a tenth of all that he would earn from that day forward. Listen to episode 20 for the details. In making the vow, Jacob realized what many of us fail to do. Jesus is the one who owns everything, once by creation and then again by redemption when he gave up his life on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for the sins of the whole world, including yours and mine. And today, he will freely give you all things, including the power to get wealth, so that you can do with it what he would do, provide for your needs, bless others, and give to the support of the gospel ministry. Right now, Jacob had nothing to give. But in the dream that God had given to him, he had everything. You know, that was an incredible dream that Jacob had. The appearance of the ladder connecting heaven with earth, the angels moving up and down on it, and the divine glory at the top of the ladder must have had a deep and solemn impression upon Jacob. He woke up from it immediately. Let's read it. In Genesis 28, 16-22, it says here, And Jacob awakened out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Jacob, you see, had now come to realize the presence of God in his own life. He called that place the house of God, which is Bethel. To him it was the gate of heaven. You know, that's what God's house on earth is meant to be for us. It's true that God, by his Holy Spirit, will dwell with us personally, as we learned in episode 18. You remember there, Isaiah 57, verse 15, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. But in the collective worship of God, he especially manifests his presence. That's why Paul calls the church, the place where his people come to meet him, the house of God. He wrote to Timothy many things that should do, that uh, Timothy should do to set things in order in the churches. In 1 Timothy 1 verse 15, that's in the New Testament, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, what's significant about this is that we have, according to Hebrews 10 verse 21, we have an high priest over the house of God. You see, the priest was the mediator between the people and God. And today we have one mediator between us and God, Jesus Christ. He's the ladder of Jacob's dream that connects us with God. 
When we come to him in faith and repentance, he fulfills the covenant blessing to us. God had said to Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob, that the whole world would be blessed through the Saviour, that would come from their descendants. And that Saviour, we learnt, was Jesus Christ. Through Jesus we have forgiveness of sin. Let's read it here in Hebrews chapter 10, how it's put here. Verses 14 through to 18. For by one offering, that's Jesus Christ, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Wherefore the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after he said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in there to their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. So this is it. Jesus is the offering for sin. God has forgiven us our iniquities because of Jesus. And not only are our sins forgiven, but, not, but um, note also here that God changes our hearts. He says there, I'll put my laws into their hearts and their minds will I write them. The blessings of forgiveness is directly connected with this change of heart. Paul confirms this in Galatians 3.14 when he said this, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That's Galatians 3.14. So this promise of forgiveness of sins and of of a change of heart is a promise that's realized through the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Now, how does God bless us through the Spirit? Well, let's have a look here in Acts 3, verse 26. It says here, unto you first, and this is a direct reference to the blessing upon all nations that the covenant of Abraham would bring. Acts 3, verse 26 says that this blessing would be Jesus, he would come to bless you in turning every one of you from his iniquities. And Ezekiel makes this blessing even clearer. In Ezekiel 36 and verses 25 to 27, the promise of the God here is, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, water being a, a object to, that purifies, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So this is the blessing of Abraham, the blessing that would result in us being keepers of God's commandments. Now with with a heart made pure and a conscience that's free from guilt, Hebrews encourages us to, in Hebrews 10 verse 22, to draw near, that is, draw near to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Because of this, we can have boldness, as uh, Hebrews goes on to say in verse 20, uh, 19 and 20, we can have boldness to enter into the holiest, that is, into the uh, direct presence of God in the sanctuary in heaven, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Now remember, through his humanity, Jesus connect is, uh, connects earth with heaven. Through his deity, he lays hold upon the throne of God, and through his humanity, he sets a firm foundation here on this earth. Jacob had now some intimation in this dream of the wonderful plan of salvation, and his mind would dwell on it for years until the final crisis of his life. 
For now, he was at peace with God. So let's read what he did. In Genesis 28 verse 18, when he woke up, let's have a look here. Genesis 28 verse 18, And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luzer the first. Now that stone was a marker of the great event. And the oil that consecrated it recognized it as a holy place. Hosea 12 verse 4 says that God found him in Bethel. That is, God found Jacob in Bethel. And Jacob found God there too. And so that's a lesson for us. The church is the house of God and the gateway to heaven. And uh, let's um, do all we can to, to ensure that we find the presence of God there in our midst. Now with a renewed faith that rested in God's promises, Jacob pressed on to Haran to escape the wrath of Esau, you remember, his brother, and more importantly for our story in the next few episodes, to find a wife. So let's read about it in Genesis 29 verses 1 to 4. Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked and beheld a well in the field, and lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks, and a great stone was upon the well's mouth. And thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the sheep, and put the stone again in the, upon the well's mouth in his place. And Jacob said unto them, My brethren, whence be ye? And they said, Of Haran are we? So Jacob arrives here in the land of Mesopotamia, nearby to Haran, the place of his mother's family. Almost one hundred years had passed from the time of Eliezer, that is, Abraham's servant, that had come hit this way to find a wife for Isaac. But there was now a huge difference. Let's read how Eliezer came to Mesopotamia almost a century before. In Genesis 24 verse 10, And the servant, that is Eliezer, took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed, for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. And he said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maidservants and camels and asses. Wow, how different was Jacob's arrival here, a lonely, footsore traveller with no possession except his staff. But he did have one possession, the birthright blessings. God would bless Jacob materially and spiritually, wherever he went, so long as he remained faithful to God. Right now, his faith was fully in God, and God was about to introduce him to the love of his life. Let's read it. In Genesis 29, verse 5, And he said unto them, Know ye Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. In verse 6, And he said unto them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And behold, Rachel, his daughter, cometh with the sheep. Ah, Rachel. Now this was Jacob's first cousin. I think it's significant that her name means a female sheep, the most predominant element of the flock. And Jacob, as a shepherd, was about to give his heart to her. Not much is recorded of Rachel's character in the Bible. But her children will become a significant factor in the history of Israel 
You know, one thing crosses my mind when I think about Rachel coming with the sheep to that well. Jacob is standing there with nothing but the staff in his hand. Um, he was about to meet her, and you know, what, did, what could he offer her? The only thing he could offer her was himself. And with himself, he had his God. And that God would bring with him all the blessings of the covenant promises. I mean, that's something that we should keep in mind ourselves. We may, we may not have much to give in terms of material things when it comes to possessions in this world and offering them to a person to gain their love, but we have ourselves. And as long as we have God with us, we can give ourselves fully to a person knowing that God will bless us. So this is my uh, wish for us this morning that we um, appreciate uh, these couple of points from this lesson here. So let's uh, pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love and mercy to us. We thank you for this meditation this morning. We pray that we will find, as Jacob did in you, uh, an ever-present saviour that we will find a peace and assurance of forgiveness of our sins and uh, a new heart, Lord, that loves to do righteousness, that loves to serve you, and that we will consecrate our lives to you in faithfulness, that we can be blessed by you materially and spiritually as Jacob was. And I pray that uh, if any of us are searching for a, a spouse, Lord, or we're not yet married, that we can uh, put our faith firmly in you, that you will guide us, Lord, in that choice, just as you are here in our story with Jacob, that you will guide us too, to make a choice that you can honor and that you can bless. So we commit our lives to you now, Lord, this day, asking you to protect us, to keep us and guide us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening this morning to the 7 a.m. Bible. I hope you've enjoyed the meditation. And uh, remember, wherever you are today, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, take the Lord with you, be prayerful, be careful, and have a great day. And I look forward to you joining me for the next episode of the 7am Bible. Lost to be here, all alone they know not what they're doing. Them, it's not clear that I'm dying to save them from ruin. I pray they'll believe and one day understand what I'm giving. But now I'm alone, betrayed, and so sad that they may be forgiven. Look what I did there for thee Look at me beaten and crushed on my knees Look what I did there for thee All of my tears and my blood that I sacrificed for you Though so many fears had me wanting to escape the going through Why can't you believe me Though I was so honest here with you And how can you say That you sinned when you felt that you had to Look what I did there for thee Torn, hit, and beaten, and nailed to a tree. Look what I did there for thee.
Look at me beaten and crushed on my knees Look what I did there for thee Look what I did there for thee Torn hit and beaten and nailed to a tree What hast thou done for me? Look what he did there for me I've been so ungrateful, God please forgive me Look what he did there for me